today, we're going to be thinking, thinking about and considering the topic, Perseverance of the Saints. And again, this is a part of that chain, uh, answering the question, how does God save us? Also known as the auto salutis. And so far we have covered election. We have covered the decree of God, effectual calling. We've covered conversion and justification. We've also covered Adoption, and Brother Josh on last week uh, helped us in learning about sanctification. And so um, we're going to continue, but before we do that, let us ask the Lord to help us in prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this privilege of utilizing uh, the Lord's day. Uh, we thank you for this Sunday school hour where we're able to consider the doctrines of the church that is found in your word. We pray that you would help us to have good conversation. Uh, we pray that you would give clarity and understanding. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would teach us more about you and your word um, we thank you, Lord, for this time together. Pray that you would help me um, to communicate well uh, what your word teaches. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We ask that you would bless it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, um, I want you to think with me for a moment uh, about salvation and the people you have come across. These particular people have professed faith at some time, but is no longer following the Lord. I believe some of you can relate, can relate to that idea. And so I just kind of, I'm curious, just want to see how many of you ever experienced that before. Uh, you know people that is no longer walking with the Lord. Okay, good amount. So we can relate to that. And if you haven't, you're, you're probably going to have, if you haven't gone through that, you may have a conversation about that. And perseverance of the saints is a doctrine that we're able to be reminded of, of the hope that we have in Christ. And so... Um, one of the things we can think about is when you had those experiences, did those people appear to have been a believer, would you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so um, we have people that seem uh, to have made a real profession of faith, meaning that at first, People, those people were fully involved in the work and in the ministry of the church. But at some point, for whatever reason, they refused to exercise their faith in Christ and is no longer walking with him. But it, is that a possibility? 
could a believer, could a person ascribe to have known God and then walk away? This is the kind of question we're going to try to to answer on this evening. Roy Gingrich explains the perseverance of the saints with an illustration by John Bunyan in which he states, and I quote, In his Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan illustrates this doctrine in his story of the flame in the wall in Interpreter's House. You probably remember that. In spite of the fact that a man in front of the wall was dashing buckets of water on the flame, the flame burned higher and higher because a man behind the wall was dashing buckets of oil on the flame. A true Christian's faith ever burns higher and higher. For as the world, the flesh, and the devil try to extinguish his faith, Christ ever fuse his faith, unquote. And so you get the picture there. That despite what's going on in the world, despite what's happening, perseverance in in the saints will continue. And it's not because of the person's ability, but it's because of God who's seeing that everything will happen as he planned it to happen. And so I want us to consider the question, can Christians lose their salvation alone? With the Roman Catholic Church, some people would agree that Christians can lose their salvation. In our time together, we would try to explain why true believers cannot become apostates. In other words, they can't begin with God and then at some point fall away, right? Because we believe that God is the one who saves. And if God is the one who saves, then he will see it through. It's not dependent upon us. So one cannot, on the one hand, say that they're a Christian, make a profession of faith, and then abandon what they say they believe and trust to be true. That's an inability. So that's simply, we would say, is a false convert. And we're going to discuss reasons why. So no one can truly be converted and depart from the faith. Uh, That would be a contradiction to what God say he would do and what God promised what he would do. And so, I mean, it's almost as if we're saying that you could be saved, but you, you can overthrow God a little bit if you keep working at it or whatever. God, the one who knows all things, the almighty God, and somehow he's going to lose some? 
the, the son that the father gave to him? You, you do realize we are gifts to the son by the father. Right? We see that in Christ's high priestly prayer. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that just a little bit later. But we want to we get this picture of can a Christian lose their salvation? We want to try to, to deal with this. So I want to say those who are truly and genuinely in Christ can never, ever lose their salvation nor walk away fully from the Lord because salvation never depended upon man. It never depended upon man. It is God who saves to the uttermost those who are elected, chosen before the foundation of the world, redeemed, predestined, called out, regenerated, preserved, and kept for heaven are kept because he who begins a good work in you shall complete it. So no one whom God has saved will be taken away from him. So think about that. Is there anyone who can overthrow the grace of God? Right? Is there anyone who can overthrow the love of God? The kind that is divinely appointed and determined by God. So, perseverance of the saints, what is it? One definition, one defini- one dictionary um, describes it as the mandate in Scripture to remain steadfast in the love of God and to patiently endure hardship particularly in the face of persecution. Goes on to say, uh, in Calvinist theology, the perseverance or preservation of the saints refers to the belief that those who are truly among the elect will remain faithful to the end. In recent evangelical theology, a discussion has emerged as to how to balance The doctrine of eternal security, everyone who has accepted Christ as Savior will enjoy eternity with God regardless of post-conversion personal conduct. With the biblical call to believers to persevere, that is to disobey or fall away from the faith. So that's, that's one. Another dictionary explains perseverance as Enduring a course of action or belief, it's, I mean, in its negative sense, it can mean being stubborn. In its positive sense, it means continuing commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, the de- this, this definition, this last definition, I thought it was interesting because it gives a little bit more detail uh, as how perseverance can work on both sides. In which if one is truly born again, one will persevere onward to genuine commitment in keeping in step by faith and obedience. And in the same way, someone who is not truly 
saved will continue in disobedience. In that instance, the person will continue in disobedience and will remain uncommitted to God. It's the belief is what we believe about Christ that separates us from God. It's not knowing Christ. It's not having the new nature that separates. What are some of the names prescribed to to this doctrine, perseverance of the saints? Anyone? I mentioned one of them already. Uh, What are some ways this particular doctrine is uh, described as far as names? Can you think of? Yes, Aaron. Once saved, always saved. Yes, very good. Any others? Ultimate reconciliation? Okay, I never heard that one. Okay. All right. Any others can you think of? Uh, To piggyback on what Aaron said, you can also think of once in grace, always in grace. Um, Another one is eternal security. You might have heard that before. Eternal security. Or another way it's described is the security of the believer. And then, of course, the one we're using, perseverance of the saints. Um, What are some ways in which people misunderstand the meaning of the doctrine, perseverance of the saints? Can you think? Yes. Uh huh. Mhm. 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 Yeah, that that's a good point, and I I was going to to bring that one out as well, um, because it's almost as if people are saying that this doctrine teaches that. Somehow God is forcing people against their will to come into, to be into heaven, right? And I'm, I'm going to talk about that uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a bit, but I wanted to mention it while, while we were there. But uh, can you think of some others? Yes. Well, Aaron? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, people believe that this doctrine teaches that Christians uh, can live in sin and still go to heaven, right? They believe that people can practice sin and still go to heaven. And we're going to address that. Any others? Yes. Robert? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, some would even give gifts to the Catholic Church as well. Uh, they do that in instances with purgatory, right? For loved ones that have passed on because they believe that they're in this place floating somewhere and they can persuade God by giving some form, some gift, so that they can have their family in, 
They believe they can buy God, um, which it destroys the goodness of the gospel, right? Um, so others believe, or some people believe that perseverance of the saints uh, teach that all professing Christians will go to heaven as well. They believe that that's what this doctrine teaches. Um, and so you can see the misunderstanding that we have. Um, others believe that some Christians, uh, uh, this doctrine teaches that some Christians can at some point lose their salvation. All right? Um, if you persevere uh, and you kind of, I mean, that's why they would agree with falling away if you could lose your salvation. Uh, that's, that's what they would agree with. Uh, then in certain circumstances, um, in certain circumstances, people believe that the doctrine, perseverance of the saints, teaches that it's unnecessary for Christians to put any effort into living for Christ with a mind toward heaven. We're going anyway, so, you know, um, we don't have to put that much effort. They believe that this is what this doctrine teaches. And um, lastly, some people um, believe that this doctrine teaches that Christians are, uh, and to go back to what Andrew was saying, Christians are forced into going to heaven against their will. Uh, one, one writer states this about those in the faith. It says, the Holy Spirit, they say, the Holy Spirit sets before us the faith of Abel, of Enoch, of Noah, of Abraham, and Sarah, Isaac, and Jacob. And after describing those various exercises and fruits of the same, declares that these all died in the faith. He continues saying that theirs was a faith which wore and lasted, which overcame obstacles and triumphed over difficulties, which endured to the end. True, the patriarchs had to wrestle against their natural unbelief. And as inspired records show, more than once they were tripped up by the same, yet they continued fighting and then they emerged as conquerors. Unquote. That's what perseverance of the saints, saint doctrine does for us. It makes us conquerors. Because of who God is. Um, what does perseverance of the saint really teach us? Um, anyone want to add? Yes, Kurt? Man, that's a great summary. And we're going to talk about a little bit of some of those things that's mentioned there. This particular doctrine teaches that at the appointed time, Christians who are genuinely saved 
will continue onward in faithfulness because God, the Holy Spirit, regenerates them. Again, God is at work in the believer, enabling the believer to continue, even in times of fallenness, uh, even in times where we take our eyes off of Christ, God's Spirit will ensure us to continue and to stay in the race. God's Spirit reminds us of what we need to do in trusting and depending upon God and being uh, obedient and faithful. Scripture teaches us to get rid of every weight and sin that so easily besets us, right? If we want to run well, there are things we need to put off and there are things we need to put on. Arthur Pink states that saving faith is something more than a, an isolated act. It is a spiritual dynamic, a principle of action which continues to operate in those who are the favored subjects of it, unquote. So when we're called into faith, the weight of it is not put on us to do well and to be strong, and you can do it, keep pressing, keep pushing. No, 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 no. When we're brought in, God is the one pushing and guiding and directing and helping us to look, to see him. He's the one that's disciplining us, and he's doing that all out of love. So we're going to persevere because of the love that God has shown us. So, let's continue. This doctrine teaches that those who are justified and declared righteous will continue onward in faithfulness to be made righteous unto glorification because God is the just, help me, and the justifier. Right? So so we're beginning to see a picture here that shows us that salvation is dependent upon God alone. Now what happens, we respond. We respond by what God is doing in us and through us. So he enables us to do that. And so this doctrine reminds us of that. It reminds us of this. Uh, This doctrine teaches that deliverance is from God. A dead man can't bring himself up to life. You see how man can't be involved in the persevering of us going forward? Because it didn't begin with us. God is the one who caused new life to come in us, but he's the one that sustains life in us. So, um, we're reminded of the deliverance we have from God. And those who have been delivered by God from the penalty of sin will continue onward in faithful obedience. And at God's appointed time, they will be delivered from the very presence of sin. Right? Not only are we depending upon God to deliver us from the sin we struggle with daily, but there's going to be a day 
where we're going to be taken out of the very presence of sin. And God is the one who is behind it all. This doctrine teaches that, well, any uh, comments or questions uh, so far? So, so, so this doctrine teaches that believers who have been truly redeemed spiritually will continue onwardly in faithfulness and will one day at the appointed time be redeemed also in bodily form. All right? Brother Aaron is going to talk about that next week. Um, but we're reminded of that. God is seeing all of this, this through. And finally, this doctrine teaches that one day, all Christians who have entered in through Jesus Christ, the Savior of sinners, will continue on within their faithfulness with a desire to be freed from the burden of sin and will themselves also flee to the wicked gate who is Christ. Right? Declaring it's the only place where we would want to be, the hope and the salvation. And so the scripture teaches us plainly and if you want to Look with me at 1 John 2.19. In 1 John 2.19, no one loses their salvation, but if they ever at any point did not remain it shows not a loss of salvation, but instead proves that they never was saved. So let's look at 1 John 2.19 to see what the Apostle John writes for our understanding. He says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continue, persevered. They would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. And so we see the scale of perseverance. We're either going to be in Christ persevering heavenward or we're going to be separated from Christ and we're going to persevere unto hell, giving us, getting us what we deserve when we're not trusting and hoping in Christ. So you see, those who do not continue until the end will only prove that they never was in Christ. Christians persevere because God perseveres them, right? He enables them to finish well. He, he fills their lungs with breath that they might run. He strengthens their legs that they might continue. He builds up their spiritual muscles so that the believer can run through the tape well. And it's not because of themselves, but it's because 
of God's Spirit at work in the believer. In um, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, let's look at that one too. In 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, watch it, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, a final salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Right? Didn't say anything in there what we were doing to save ourselves. But it had a lot in there saying what God was doing to make sure that we persevere. In other words, God keeps the fire in the believer burning. His anointing all in everyone who genuinely believes will be saved and no one can put it out. Because at the appointed time, Final salvation that is kept in heaven by God will be revealed at the last time. God is behind salvation. He keeps sustaining us. That's why Christians who sometimes sin can with conviction desire and be motivated to continue to love God in loving obedience. It's not because of us. Rather, but God. People can be attracted to certain things within Christianity and admire those things without ever truly knowing Christ. There's all these things that could be happening on the outside, but unless we're born again, as the scripture teaches, and we're continuing persevering because of the faith being genuine. Unless we're born again, we cannot know Christ. So the only reason Christians persevere and is eternally secure is because of God's work. People can be attracted to certain things, whatever those things are that draws people to certain elements within Christianity, apart from Christ, salvation is not there. The problem is this, people can experience a conversion. But a conversion without Christ is not a true conversion. And that's why when people say that they have come to know Christ, we're able to ask certain questions. We're able to, 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 to ask people, how did that come about? Because we do realize that people can misunderstand 
what it means to be saved. People could have a false idea as to what salvation really is and how people are to be saved. And so we see this even in our churches where people who once were a part of us, whether it was here or at another church, you experience it. Uh, People who seem to be walking with the Lord is not walking with him anymore. The only reason Christians will persevere and is eternally secure is because God, by divine election, chose them by his effectual call, converted them, justified them, adopted them into the family of God and is himself sanctifying them and will help them to persevere. God is doing that. God, before the foundation of the world, determined and intended to see our salvation through until the end. God is the securing agent. God is the one who is sustaining us. And so when someone is converted to Christ, they will persevere until the end because God is the one causing it. He's causing us to be saved because he is the one who determined determined it. And so he keeps us. So when the soil and the seed is good, the crop will grow. This is the fruit of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It yields its fruit. Listen to Luke 8, uh, beginning at verse 5. Jesus is telling a story about this very thing about perseverance. He tells a parable stating, he says, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into the good soil and grew. And yielded a hundredfold. The first three, the sower that went out to sow seed and some falling on the path and was trampled, didn't continue. Some withered away had no moisture, didn't continue. Some fell among thorns. The thorn grew up up and choked it out, didn't continue. But those who are truly in Christ, Scripture tells us, and some fell on good sorrow and grew and yielded a hundredfold. The idea of persevering and continuing. He went on to say, as he had said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. So in this parable, 
there seems to be some who started out in appearance to have believed initially. And at some point, they fell away. Or it could mean that because they did not continue the faith in the faith that they thought they had was incomplete because their faith did not remain. This is taught in Reformed theology. The seed that falls on good soil continues yielding the fruit of obedience. That's why why we're able to check ourselves to see if we're in the faith. Am I doing things that align with God? Right? Kurt reminded us today, right? Who who are you living for? That's the question we were were asked to engage with. What what are we living for? What what are our motivations? What are our desires? What, What helps us to go forward in faith? Because some of those things could be look to be the right thing, but if the motivations and desires are wrong, then we're wrong. And so that's why Jesus said it's, it's not about the outside that defiles a man, but, but inwardly. Right? Man could appear to want to do the right thing, but if his or her motivations are wrong, then it's all wrong. Right? If, if, if the root is rotten, then the fruit is rotten, right? And so we, we begin with, with God. Notice what it says in our Confession of Faith, chap, paragraph chapter 1. It sums it to it as, as well. I'm so glad Kirk didn't read this because he would have <laughs> took all my little ammunition I had <laughs> But uh, paragraph one, those whom God has accepted in the beloved, effectually called and satisfied by the spirit and given the precious fate of his elect unto can neither totally or finally fall from the state of grace, but shall certainly Persevere therein to the end and be eternally saved, seeing the gifts and callings of God are without repentance from which source he still begets and nourishes in them faith, repentance, love, joy, hope, and all the graces of the Spirit unto immortality and Though though many storms and floods arise and beat against them, yet they shall never be able to take them off that foundation and rock which by faith they are fastened up, not withholding through unbelief and temptations of Satan, the sensible sight of the light and love of God may for a time be clouded and obscured from them. Yet he is still the same, and they shall be sure to be kept by the power of God unto salvation, where they shall enjoy their purchased possession. We've been bought, right? We've been bought by the blood of Christ. He says, where they shall enjoy their purchased possession, they being engraved upon the the palm of his hands 
and their names having been written in the book of life from all eternity. R.C. Sproul states, the doctrine of perseverance does not rest on our ability to persevere, even if we are regenerate. Rather, it rests on the promise of God to persevere. And we see this in Scripture. Um, Philippians 1.6, I think it was read today. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, he who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion, right? At the day of Jesus Christ. Paul also, Paul says, me, 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 me. Romans 8, we see the same idea, Romans 8.30. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Then in 30, verse 39, in that same chapter, Paul states, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're seeing the picture here that perseverance has nothing to do with our ability to do well, to excel, to accomplish anything, but rather it's about what God is doing in us and through us. So eternal security is only ours because we belong to God. That's why. We are his workmanship. God is a promising, keeping God, and everyone who has his spirit has his promise that he will finish what he started. You see the kind of confidence we can have when we know whose we are and what he have done for us? So, ultimately, God knows those who are his. All right? We see this in John chapter 10. The Lord says this as a promise to those who are saved and who is a genuine believer. says to the Father, I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I am and the Father are one. So we, whenever we're struggling with whether or not we're saved, whether or not we're meeting whatever standard we have created, uh, when we have compared ourselves to someone, we're to come here and see what the Master says to us. What does the Master says to his disciples. And here the Lord is reminding us of that. I got you. You're mine. You can't even unsave yourself. 
And that's, that's, that's comfort in knowing that because it helps us in going forward. So sometimes in weakness, we stumble and fall on our faces for a season. But true believers will never fall away because God never fails. I'm going to end with this. Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, prayed this prayer to the Father. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. And not one of them have been lost except the son of destruction, destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. See the hope and confidence we have. This is what God said that he would do.